0: Welcome to Redeemers Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. I am super stoked to preach today. I hope that you guys are all super stoked to hear a message today, amen. Father, we just come before you today and we give you praise and honor and glory because you're incredible. And so, Father, as we delve into your word today, I pray that it brings life and brings liberty. And, Father, that uh, the things we say and do today would glorify your name. And, Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about AD. We're talking about the LAR, the life after resurrection. And... One of the things that I want you to realize is in this life after the resurrection, we know that although Jesus went to be uh, uh, physically uh, seated beside the Father, he did it because he was resurrected. And that is the one thing that separates Christianity from all other religions is the fact of the resurrection. And the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 he says now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how does some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead but if there's no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen then listen to this our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty yes we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up, in fa- if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable. So what he is saying there is if there is no resurrection, then the idea of who we are as Christians is shallow and empty. But I got good news for you today. Our existence with Jesus is neither shallow nor empty because he is amazing and he says of himself in John eleven twenty five, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What a great statement. Jesus is saying in this statement that I truly am the one who brings resurrection, he proved and showed what resurrection was going to be like when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so he is saying that uh, those of you who believe in me, though you may physically die in this body, you will never die because you're going to live with me forever. And the beautiful thing about resurrection in the life of Jesus Christ for us as believers is we never die. As a matter of fact, we go from life to life. We go from life to earth to life in the kingdom. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great exchange for death on earth to have life everlasting. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he was saying at that moment, do you believe this? See, this is critical to who we are as believers is in believing in the one who is resurrection life. Now, here's the great thing about resurrection life and who God is. In Hebrews 13, 5, we see this. Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Listen to this. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So God continues to be with us. Just because Jesus is no longer on earth doesn't mean that he isn't with us, because he truly is with us. Turn now just a few uh, pages over and let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14 verses 16 through 18 says this because this is a critical part about the resurrection. In the resurrection, although Jesus has gone to be with the Father and He's seated at the right hand of the Father, what is He doing there? He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's he's, uh, our biggest advocate up there and so He says this about down here. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you will know Him. Why? Because He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Now listen to this, what He says. He says, I will come to you. And listen. That is an interesting statement to say, Lord, how will you come to me? Well, there's about a dozen different ways that we see in the word where Jesus comes to us. And one of the ways that I want to look at, if you would turn with me into John chapter 20, because what I want you to see is this today, that our God, He makes a divine encounter for us to have with him. And through these divine encounters, he makes supernatural connections for us to do what we do in his kingdom. So divine encounters where God shows up to us, where where God touches us. You've heard me say this uh, many times from this pulpit that my number one job as a pastor is to provide you an opportunity to have an encounter with God. Because I know that just one time when you're touched by God in a way that no one else could touch you, your life will never be the same. Nobody can ever talk you out of, oh, is God real? Yes, he's real because he touched me in this way. Or yes, God is real because he spoke to me in this way. Yes, God is real because he protected me in this way. Listen, I found out a couple months ago just how real his protection was when I was getting ready to go over a 2,000 foot cliff and get to meet him on that day. But our car got so far and I just felt like his angel said, whoa, whoa, that's enough. That's far enough. OK, you not, we're not going to go any further than that. And when you encounter him. What it does is it draws you into a place to where uh, uh, you're just excited about the next opportunity that you have to do and to be and to see him. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus has, has died and then in verse 19 it says that same evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, okay, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad that they saw it was the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, what did he do? He's What's he going to do now? He's going to send them. So... This is a a key element that you need to understand. We don't have God encounters for just any reason. We have God encounters because when we encounter him, it's for the purpose of furthering the kingdom for somebody around us, for a direction that he's going to take us, for a purpose that he has in store for us. And so he's saying to these guys, though I might have been gone, he said the door shut. How did he just come in to be with them. I don't know. But they clearly make the point that the door was shut and then Jesus showed up. In other words, I don't know if he just like came through the door, you know, or, or, or through the wall or how they do. It. You know, we've all seen movies where people do that kind of thing. But Jesus really did that. He showed up in the midst of them. Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so in verse 22 it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So in this encounter, he was, he was bringing into that place the same thing that God did at the very beginning with Adam when he breathed life into him. Now Jesus was bring, he was telling his disciples that now I'm breathing that same life into you as well and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 24. Thomas wasn't in this particular encounter and he's the twin of one of the 12, uh, not with Jesus came and the other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands and the nail prints and put my fingers in there and do all that kind of stuff, I'm not gonna believe. And after eight days, his disciples were inside again and Thomas with them and Jesus came and the doors being shut And just stood in the midst and said, peace to you. I think he was just showing off at this point. He did it once, and now he comes back and does it again. And then he said this to Thomas. Now, I want you to realize something. So many different times, even in the life of what we would consider somebody to be a disciple there's some things that we can't fathom or can't understand or we can't see happening in our own life or through our lives, that there is places in our own existence that we begin to doubt what God can do and who he really is. And so in this particular instance, uh, he looked at, at Thomas and said, reach your fingers here, look at my hands and reach Uh, uh, your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, Lord, my God, Lord, my God. See, Thomas was having an encounter. He was having that opportunity where not only... Uh, did did Jesus come into him in physical proximity, but he got to touch Jesus in the places where he had been crucified. And Thomas, because you have seen me, now listen to this. This is powerful. I want you to grasp this. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's who we are. We're at that place where we didn't put our fingers in there. We didn't get to touch Him. We didn't get to see Him walk through a door. Although, I'm going to be honest with you, I've seen Him do some things that have has blown my mind over the years. You know, we're talking about prophetic ministry that's coming up. You want to talk about something that can bring transformation into your life? Get into the place to where the God of all creation speaks a word into your life. And then you get to hold on to that word and begin to see it come to pass. The trip to Mexico all started in 1988 when God said you're going to be overseas and back again, overseas and back again. When you have an encounter with the one who is able to do exceedingly more than you can ever imagine, something always comes off of that encounter that's way bigger than what you could have ever imagined. And Pastor Caleb was referring to that things that aren't about in your control, but it's in about what is in the control of God. Now, that is a fact. Now, let's look at John chapter 14 and verse 12, just briefly. What does life after the resurrection look like? Well, Jesus was setting it up in this, this particular passage. He was saying to them... In John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, most assuredly, and, and that's a powerful statement. Make no doubt about it. I don't know what slang term you can use to identify that and bring that into our days, but uh, uh, he was saying, make no mistake. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who believes in me, how many of y'all believe in him, amen? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. An amazing statement that Jesus is saying that when resurrection life comes upon you that there is going to be a power that rests and resides in you that's going to give you the opportunity not to just match what I've done or to do a little bit under what I've done, but I'm going to give you the power to do even greater things. Now, one of the things I want you to understand about this is as a life of a believer, as a disciple of Christ, as we are working with other people in the kingdom, our goal needs to be to make their existence even better than what ours was. To have a security in who we are. See, Jesus is absolutely and totally secure in who he is in being the Son of God. And he's absolutely fine with you doing things that were even greater than the things that he did. That's pretty mind-boggling. But it doesn't get any more clear than this, that Jesus teaches His disciples, that's us, to be prepared to live a supernatural life. To be prepared. He's not, and I want you to understand this, He's not asking us to produce. Okay? Because see, we could, we could very easily grab a works mentality out of that. He's not asking us to produce. He's asking us to believe and trust in the one who produces and allow him to produce through us. What an honor that is. That that God, the God of the universe, the God who created everything is now saying to us that it is a good thing for you to be prepared to produce. So we see that... All of these things are building up when Jesus is talking about, he's talking about this idea of us having a divine encounter that brings us into divine connection with the places or people or things that are going to allow us to produce what he wants us to produce in the kingdom. So when he was uh, uh, taking his uh, point of uh, ascending into heaven, he told the his uh, current followers, the 120 who were assembled in the upper room, he's saying, wait right here, because I have a divine encounter that's going to come into your life. You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in to, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Every time he talks about... A The Father sent me and I send you. He says, you're going to receive a a divine encounter. Power's going to come on you. Why? Because I'm going to send you to do work here and do work here and work here. Now, when you look at the places that he's talking about, he's talking about places that are right where you're at, places that are outside where you could think you could go, and then places where you would never dream of uh, in, in your lifetime. And so, but I want to just say this to you that when we pursue God in the place of, uh, of embracing Him for everything that He has designed for us, it's always going to take you beyond what you mentally think you're capable of doing. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine? Divine connection. Divine, or excuse me, divine encounter that brings divine connection for the purpose of expanding God's kingdom. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter nine, and I just want to talk a minute about this idea of God or, or Jesus still bringing encounter. And in, and, and in Acts chapter nine, this is the typical story of Saul. And his conversion on the road to Damascus. And so Paul's on the road to Damascus. Verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We know that Paul was a persecutor of Christians before this time of encounter. And so what was Jesus saying? If you are persecuting believers, you're what? You're persecuting me. And so he goes on to say, uh, Paul says in verse 5, he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick across the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Interesting thing. He gets instruction, doesn't tell him what the instruction is going to look like. You know why? Because he's he's getting ready to make another divine encounter with somebody else. And when we have divine encounters it usually brings us to a place of divine connection and in that divine connection something supernatural begins to occur. This is life after the resurrection. Where life as normal is over for a believer. There's nothing normal about who we are. I know that many of you have looked at me and said that's obviously you're a picture that nothing is normal. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm glad that that's what you think of me. Now, in verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple, okay? And at, at, at uh, there, was a, uh, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And then the Lord said something to Ananias that was going to change his destiny forever. He said, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire there in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Now Ananias is putting two two, and two together here, and he knows that Jesus is asking him to go to the house of the one that persecutes people just like him. He has no idea that uh, Saul has been struck down blind on the road to Damascus. All he knows is the God of heaven is giving him an assignment, and in that assignment, in his mind, it'll be the last assignment that he ever has. Because he's going to go talk to the one who murders people just like him, and he knows when he's going to be obedient that this will be the day that he sees Jesus. 99% of everybody would have ran from this assignment. But then you would have missed the greatest adventure of your life. See, when we come into the place of divine encounter and we walk away from it, we miss what we were intended to do, what we were born to do, why we're in the kingdom. When Jesus said to the guys, the Father sent me and now I'm sending you. And when he said, uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then I'm going to send you to these types of things. The encounters that he brings is a transformational experience of him that will allow us to not only receive instruction, but to say yes to that instruction and then watch our life be transformed right in front of our very eyes. In verse 12, and in a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So now Jesus is revealing the rest of the story, a Paul Harvey moment. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man, okay? You you mean Saul of Tarsus, right? I've heard about this guy. You want me to go to Saul of Tarsus, okay? Okay. How much harm, I've heard about how how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And this could be my last day of destiny. I'm paraphrasing. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. Wow, that's pretty deep. He's going to take the one who was persecuted believers. And now he's going to put him in a position to transform the lives of all of these people. And you notice he said Gentiles. This this has never happened. The message has never gone to the Gentiles. Now Ananias has went from a certain disciple to one of the most important people in the gospel of this day of his life and in all of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is giving him this incredible assignment and says that this is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. Thank God Paul's blind and so Ananias is sneaking up, creeping up from behind him. He might have had like a long pole with a blown up glove that's not really his hand. And he reaches out and touches Paul. No, he put his own hand on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, supernatural encounter, and Ananias had an encounter as well, two encounters, now they're together, uh, and uh, who appeared on the road as you came. He sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose, and he was baptized. Now, here's Ananias standing there. This miracle's occurring. He's uh, he's, uh, 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 just an indiscriminate person at this time. Saul can't see him. Now he prays he gets his sight, and Saul sees him. Wow, he's got to be freaking out. Okay, this is it. But no, that wasn't it. Because the it was bigger than who Ananias was. But he went from being a certain disciple to a key figure in the gospel of God. He went from a person who was just doing his daily deal to a person who was going to go in and pray over the, the person who was going to end up writing the majority of the New Testament. And we read about and we... And uh, that people don't even like to preach about Paul in their churches in certain denominations because he's so absolutely radical for the things that he did for God. But this certain disciple. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell him, you're one of those certain disciples, aren't you? You're, You're one of those certain disciples. David Mattingly, you're one of those certain disciples. My friend, you're one of those certain disciples. And what's God have in store for you? What what in the future is is your destiny? What, What word from God is going to come across your life? And would you be like Ananias? And would you say yes? Would you be like Thomas when you finally, 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 for whatever it took, to bring you into an encounter where you no longer deny who Jesus is, would you be like Thomas and say, Lord, I believe and I'm going to move forward to do the things that you've called me to do. You see, Jesus was preparing these 12 people to be the ones that they were going to, he was going to turn the New Testament church over to. And because they said, yes, we are still doing the do today. Do you understand that? That we are here on something that started with 12 guys who said, yes, I'm going to do and pay whatever price it takes so that those people in 2022, if Jesus hasn't returned yet, can still be doing what we did back there. And they were doing everything through a supernatural existence. And folks, this is what the LAR, the life after resurrection is about, is to be transformed to the place, to wherever he calls us to do, whatever he wants us to do, that we would believe that he would not only keep us and watch over us and provide for us, but that his word would be true. So... In Acts chapter 10, this is, this is interesting because there was a certain man now. Not a certain disciple, but now we have a certain man. and In Caesarea, and he was called Cornelius, a centuring of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. He's just a certain man. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying his name, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Do you notice that no matter how frightful the encounter might be, that the people respond, whether it was Saul or whoever, What is it, Lord? I mean, there's something about the encounter that's so supernaturally powerful that it couldn't be from anyone else. You notice he didn't say, oh, speak to me, Beelzebub. What is it, Satan? No, because there would have been a completely different atmosphere if it had been someone else other than God speaking to them. It's a powerful thing to think about. I know that Two times in my life when I was not a believer and I was doing the do that every believer or non-believer does and I was doing it good. I I was good at doing the do that non-believers do. And God spoke to me in the middle of that. And he said, Dwight, I have more for you than this. And at first I thought, wow, I partied way too hard. Now I'm hearing voices. <laughs> Two weeks later, same situation, same deal. And, the God, and God spoke to me and he said, Dwight, I have more for you than this. And at that point, I, I, it was a confirmation. I said, yes, Lord, I hear you. And so, you know, I'm going to start getting it together right away because this is freaking me out. <laughs> And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said, your prayers and alms have come before a memorial before before God. Verse 5, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Encounter and something to do. This guy had a choice. He could have said no. We know in this house that there have been prophetic words, many given through the years. We've watched a certain amount of people adhere to those and we've watched a certain amount of people who have turned away from what God has called them to do. And quite frankly, we have seen those who have turned away from it saying, yes, Lord, what can I do to saying I'm not going to do that. And they just don't end up anywhere in the picture. But when we see the people that say, yes, Lord, we see not only are they in the picture, but their picture has expanded dramatically. And so he sent them to Joppa, they came at this exact same time, and I'm going to paraphrase this, Peter had a vision. And God was giving Peter a vision of the things that used to be determined as being unclean. And he was saying, Peter, don't call these unclean anymore. Because remember, you know, Saul was going to be called to go to the Gentiles. But how often does what somebody's ultimate call, it gets set up by somebody else? And so Peter is saying here, don't call these things unclean. And so Peter's like, I don't get it. I'm not sure what all that means. But at the same time, it says, now, while Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had seen meant, behold. The men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This is Peter, the guy that hung out with Jesus, Saul... All kinds of amazing things. You know, denied him and then was loved by him. And then Acts chapter 2, preached the first message. Here he is in Acts chapter 10. God gives him a vision and he's like, wow, I have no clue what this means. Even he wondered within himself what this could mean. It's okay, relax. Relax. So many of you have heard something from God and at that particular point you didn't know exactly what it meant. Relax, God will continue to reveal to you what he's showing you. And so they they came in, they shared uh, the story. He said, Arise therefore and go down with them. Verse 20, Doubting nothing for I, I have been sent by them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes... I am whom you seek, for what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man who fears God, has a good reputation among the nations for the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in, lodged uh, them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And so Peter uh, now is taking what he has supernaturally received and he is moving on it. And the following day they entered Caesarea, verse 24. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I myself am just a man. Now, this is such a great point. Some of y'all read the Bible, you look at the Apostle Paul, you say, wow, what an amazing person. You say, oh, Pastor Dwight goes to Africa, New Mexico, he goes everywhere. Oh, what an amazing person. I can Listen, we all put our pants on the same way every morning. There is no great man or great woman. There is a great God that people choose to say yes to. And that's what gives them the reputation where people say, wow, that guy's this or that lady's this or wow, they do these things. But it's not that person. I put my pants on just like you did. Same way. One leg at a time today. And that's what Peter is saying here. Get up. I am a man just like you are. And the same things that I, as a matter of fact, I think Peter is stoked at this moment. Here is a Gentile. God's doing something he's never, ever done before. And he's just being obedient to him. He picks this guy up. And uh, where was I here? Lift him up. Stand here. As he talked uh, with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go with an, somebody of another nation? But God. Everybody say with me, but God. See, when God does something, it doesn't matter what used to happen. It's about what's going to happen. Nobody got excited about that. I thought that was, <laughs> was going to be an excitement, woo-woo line, but I... Whew. Therefore I came without objection, in verse 29, as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? And so he goes in, they want to know about the gospel. And so he takes this opportunity that God has sent him to. He talks about uh, the gospel with them and they all just are blown away. And then move to verse 44 because it's going to, but wait, there's more. Verse 44 says this, "While Peter was still speaking these words, Peter's just preaching, he's doing his thing, he's doing the pastor thing, and his message is running too long. and the Holy Spirit, y'all know what I'm talking about. The pastor that preaches too long, it's 11:40, but I didn't get started till 11. So bear with me just for a moment. Harabbaayaah. Y'all know when I come back from anywhere, I I preach just a little longer anyway. Now listen, it's a baptism. That's pretty bad if I blame the baptisms, right? (laughs) By the way, I was thinking, there might be somebody in the house today who saw that and said, You know, Pastor, I'd like to be baptized today. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to come. We want to baptize you before you go. We had our plan, but God might have his plan. Yeah. Somebody, somebody I just feel like is sitting here, their heart's beating. You've looked at the tank ten times while I was preaching, and you were hoping that I would say, so there's your, there's your son. So after I'm done here, we want to baptize whomever else. Want. We're going to do something different like Peter here. We're just going to do something, something different. Now listen to this. As Peter was preaching uh, among them, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. This is totally backwards, okay? We haven't led anybody through the sinner's prayer. That's the way we do it. I don't think maybe they did it back then that way. They hadn't led anybody in water baptism, and the Holy Spirit falls on them first. It's completely out of order of our thoughts. And, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, all his boys are going, what the heck? This isn't the way we, we, we've done it for the last ten verses of the book of Acts. Nobody gets, receives the baptism before we do the other do. This can't happen this way. They were astonished. "...as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also." Wow. This is, yes, Betty, you're right. Uh, Thank God, because we're here today because of that, because y'all, y'all, we Gentiles, okay? Okay. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Should anyone forbid any of you today here to get into that tank? Because it's not in the right order. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord that they, uh, then they asked him to stay for a few days. Maddie, put the pictures up here. All of this stuff still happens today. I told you guys that in 1988, God spoke a prophetic word over my life to go overseas and back again. For those of you who are first hearing this story, there were a lot of complications in that, and most of them were mine. I had a tremendous fear of flying. For all of you who are here today, relax, I'm not telling the whole story, okay? (laughs) But just know this, I I couldn't even watch a movie with an airplane and not freak out. Armpit sweats, hand sweats, shaking, freaking, heart pounding, God healed me of all of that. In 1997, went to the Ukraine and 1,551 of the Ukrainians who are facing what they're facing now got saved on that trip. Greatest miracle was when the plane took off. But the point is this, that God said, these are gonna be the things that you're going to do and I'm going to send you. People are waiting for those who God will send to go and do what he's calling them to do. This is Pastor Sergio and his wife. They are the pastors of this church. I have a five minute video I would have loved to have played because he given a testimony during this. He said that a year and a half ago, he cried out to God, and he said, "Everything that I have, I've given to everyone. I, I, the, I am no—I have nothing more to give, because the level of who I am is here, and these people need this, and I have got to have more training." But. So he started searching for training. He went to Pastor Caleb and he had a school and his school was $500 a month and you had to have uh, three bishops give you a uh, letter of recommendation. You had to have a college education already and he said, wow, I can't do that. So he goes to Duncan to go to his Bible college and his requirements and And money were even more than Caleb's. He's finding this everywhere. He said, there's no way that I can make this happen. And so one day, he was in Uchitan. And the people that we had trained to train facilitators were talking at a meeting. Okay? And so he heard them what they had to say. So flip that to... This is a brochure that maddie made for us it's translated into spanish somebody using their giftings to help the kingdom do what it needs to have done she not only did the brochure but it's an amazing brochure with maximum excellence and so our people who who were talking said we have a brochure that we want to give you that can tell you more about who we are so he got he heard from the people that I poured myself into those people then gave him the brochure that Maddie made, and then uh, he, came, he called them and said, I'd like to know, if it, is it really this easy, and I want to be trained to do the school, and so we said, yes, it's that easy, so our team, the ones I trained, now trained him, and we graduated, uh, where's that graduation picture, uh, if you can find it, but we graduated from his school because of this order of events, 33 students. And then I showed you uh, the two ladies from his church that graduated. They were in this graduating class and now they are training in in this training. They're in the front there. They are now going to be the next leaders of the second school. They have 35 signed up. Four churches haven't told them, gave them their list yet. They're probably going to have about 50 people signed up. Now, also, in the right side here is the Pastor Sergio's church from the mountains in Tabasco, where nobody gets educated, because nobody has the money to do it. Nobody can get to uh, Tuxla Gutierrez or any other city to get the training, and so they're in here. So... I train On and Luis and their team. Lana and Luis train Pastor Sergio. Pastor Sergio starts the school, has 33 graduates. Two of his 33 graduates are now being trained. They've got 35 to 50, and then the people from the mountains are now involved. And so within uh, uh, 40 days from that initial encounter of me training these folks, there's going to be a 100 people who are now going to be pursuing God at a higher place. And let me just tell you this. Knowledge in the kingdom equates to faith. And when your faith grows, miracles begin to happen. Knowledge is power in the natural world. Knowledge builds faith in the spiritual world. And when faith gets built, people do incredible things for the kingdom. And so it's amazing how all of these things work. And it all starts with an encounter from the Most High God post-resurrection... In a belief in the one that can walk through walls who can send you out. You could possibly be the next Ananias that speaks to the next Billy Graham that could be the next person who is assembling a million people in Nigeria to come to Jesus Christ as their personal savior and totally disrupt the kingdom of hell. Amen. This is who we are, folks. We are post-resurrection believers who are called to do great things for the King. One believer, one encounter, one connection can transform thousands and thousands of lives. Redeemer's Church, we are in a divine moment. And the things that have been happening over the last six or seven years in-house and out of the house are amazing. And we are just beginning to see God do something incredible. And We are going to see God do so many more amazing things that I want you to just personally in your prayer time this week say, Yes, Lord, here I am. Allow me to be a part. Of this as well. Would you stand with me? Father in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person who has came to this service today. What an amazing day to see these four young people make a dedication to God through water baptism. What an awesome opportunity it is to see great testimonies of your faithfulness of what God is doing in Mexico as well. And Father, today, I know that there's many here who are assembled who have said yes, who have had an encounter with you, you've made connections through them, give them even more. And Father, for those who are waiting for that encounter to have those connections, let it be today, let it be this week, Father, that when they say yes, that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out something so dramatic upon their lives that there would be no way that anybody could talk them out of how amazing you are. And so, Father, as we walk in this series of living after the resurrection A.D., For the amazing God that we serve, I thank you that you have placed in this church a desire in our hearts to not just do what we do but to do what you do and to say yes and to pour resources and time and effort and energy into what you've called us to do and father I thank you that thousands upon thousands of lives are currently being transformed because of the apostolic anointing that flows from this house and father we are thankful and grateful that 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 you have called us to be something that one man and one woman started in 1965 out of the passion of their hearts. And we get to continue to walk in that goodness and that glory. And so, Father, today I proclaim from this pulpit that I say yes, to whatever you're calling me to do personally. I say yes to whatever you're calling this church to do corporately. And I pray for that spirit to rest upon each and every believer at Redeemer's Church. And Father, today I give you praise because you are worthy to be praised. Amen Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.